0: So welcome back. We're in part two of lesson 12 and we're dealing with the fifth commandment if you're a Protestant, the fourth commandment if you're a Catholic, or the fifth commandment if you're Jewish. So we read in Exodus chapter 20 verse 12, honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Now, we've been dealing with three major ways this commandment is unique. We've already dealt with two of them. And the third way, the third way this commandment is so unique, it's the only commandment that has a reward. Now, Dennis Prager says, yes, we can look upon this as a reward, but Maybe it's not a reward. Maybe it's really God saying there's a reason why you honor your parents. Let's take a look at this in Dennis Prager's commentary on Exodus called Exodus the Rational Bible, as related to that exact phrase. So, reading from Dennis Prager's commentary, he says the Fifth Commandment is the only one of the Ten Commandments that specifies a reward, just like we said. But this reward is not to be understood as a promise that the individual who honors his, his or her parents will be, have live a long life. The commandment promises the nation collectively that if its members honor their parents, the family will be preserved, its religious traditions and beliefs will be preserved, and the civilization will therefore long endure. Interesting, the breakdown of the family is a guarantee of the breakdown of a civilization. One reason is a society in which children do not honor parents will lose the means through which the society's culture, religion, and ethics are transmitted. And so... this really makes a lot of sense that what God is saying, why do you honor your parents? Because for my covenant people, this is the way that you will maintain a godly society. This is a way the nation will survive as a godly nation, as a people of the covenant. Dennis Prager also goes on to say, that Another reason why honoring parents uh, and a long-enduring civilization are connected is that strong families form a major bulk work against totalitarian regimes. A standard feature of totalitarian regimes is the shifting of children's loyalty and obedience from their parents to the state. One of the first things totalitarian regimes seek to do is to weaken parental authority And replace it with the party or the state. Now, Dennis Prager, in his younger days, had the chance to study in depth the Soviet Union and communism, and is one who really knows the history of Stalinism, communism, and he talks about the fact. That in the days under Stalin, this is back in the 1930s, there was a young man by the name of Pavlik Morozov. Pavlik Morozov. And back in the 30s, this young man was a Soviet youth praised by the Soviet press as a martyr. So his story back dates back to 1932 and this 13-year-old boy denounced his father to the authorities and was in turn killed by his family for turning against his father. So Pavlik Morozov his story was a subject of readings and songs and poems a full-length opera, six biographies. His politicized and almost mythological story was used to encourage students under Stalin and the Soviet bloc to also inform on their parents. And again, this is a prime example of how a totalitarian regime wants to gain power and the only way that they can gain power from a scholarly point of view and from real history is by transferring the loyalty of kids to their parents of loyalty of the kids to the state now Dennis also talked about that the breakdown of the family is a guarantee of the breakdown of a civilization I'm reading from an article that's found at the website called thetrumpet.com. Now, what I've done is at the website, I've included that link to this article so that you can actually access it yourself. So just go to the website, www.lightofmenorah.org, and uh, find the picture for Lesson uh, 2, or Part 2 of Lesson 12, and uh, underneath there you'll find the introduction to the session, and in there you'll find the link to the article. But the uh, author of the article is a, a scholar by the name of Gerald Flurry, and he talks about and refers to Edward Gibbons, who wrote his masterpiece, The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. And Gibbons identifies five major causes that contributed to the fall of the Roman Empire. First, the breakdown of the family. Second, increased taxation. Third, an insatiable craving for pleasure. I I, I want you to recognize these and think about our United States today, the culture that we live in. Fourth, an unsustainable buildup of armaments, armaments And fifth, the decay of religion. Now, what's fascinating here is the author, Gerald Flurry, goes on to show, listen, that Edward Gibbons, this historian who wrote The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, he's got sound basis for saying that one of the major reasons why the Roman Empire fell was because the decline of the family when he refers to Seneca, the great philosopher and Roman statesman dated 4 BC to 65 AD. Seneca, the famous Roman philosopher, he warned that Rome would fall, even telling people why it would fall. The people scoffed and ignored his warnings. In the words of Seneca, one of the foundational reasons Rome would fall was the fact that they divorce in order to remarry they marry in order to divorce Seneca warned that the family breakdown would destroy the Roman Empire and again the author of the article makes an interesting statement and he says take an honest look at Western societies today our parenting is exactly the same The sanctity of marriage has been abolished It seems like Seneca, his words, are applicable today as well. And in this article from The Trumpet, the history of Rome confirms what the Bible teaches about marriage and family. In May 16, 1999, the Washington Post editorial by David Blankenhorn, founder of the Institute for American Values, was quoted as saying, The most important predictor of criminal behavior is the father's absence. The author then agreed with Blankenhorn by saying, the two-parent household has been universal across both time and geography. Do you get that? The two-parent household has been universal across both time and geography all over the world for all of man's history. God Puts parents in such an awesome position. And again, this is the God of history. And here we have historians and, and, and scholars recognizing this as a universal historical truth. The family is in such a heavy, weighty, awesome posi- position. And civilization depends upon it. So... I really am thankful for Dennis Prager's comments on this. This makes so much sense. It's more than a personal reward. It's a promise of Yahweh, Adonai, our Lord. For us, if we want to ensure a well-ordered, peaceful, prosperous, and good society... We honor our parents and the preservation of the family. And truly, it's a bit scary to see how the U.S. has gone the way of ancient Rome. USA has turned against God's universal creation and order. So now the question becomes, how do we give glory to our parents? And remember, that Hebrew word is kavod, which gives the picture of weightiness or heaviness. The weightiness and heaviness of the position of God in our lives and the weightiness and position of our parents, our mother and dad in our lives. There's one scholar in one of many articles I've been reading about this topic agrees that definitely honoring parents is not obeying them. But honoring them has aspects of trying to please them, to praise them, to be kind to them, to provide for them, to be courteous to them, and to regard them as having a significant position in our lives, not meaningless. To acknowledge them, respect them, and realize that they're an immense force in our lives. So we may not always obey them. We may not always agree with them. Yet we never dismiss their high position in our lives. We never dismiss God's exalted position of our parents in our lives. Remember, there's only two in the Bible who are to be ascribed glory. Remember, that Hebrew word is kavod, which can mean honor. And that is God and our parents. But let's not forget, it seems as if, now we started this off, that it's only moms and dads in the covenant. If they're not in the covenant, if they're not godly people, they're not living in a life of faith of God, it seems like this could be the reason for not honoring parents. If our parents are not part of God's people, Oh, yeah, and they could sin, definitely. They could be weak parents. We'd say, no, my parents are part of a godly people. They focus in their lives on God. I I disagree with them. I, I don't think they were great parents and so on. But God orders me to honor my parents. Dennis Prager wrote a small book called The Ten Commandments, Still the Best Moral Code. And he seems to summarize it this way. Finally, there are many ways to honor parents. The general rule is this. They get special treatment. Parents are unique, so they must be treated in a unique way. You don't talk to them in quite the same way you do anyone else. For example, you might use expletives when speaking to a friend, but you don't do that with a parent. You don't call them by their first names. And when you leave their home, And make your own you maintain contact with them they don't owe you anything you owe them everything you owe them that respect and that special treatment that only a son and a daughter can give to their mom and dad because God has demanded this 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 is huge And the last statement here from Dennis Prager, having no contact with parents is the opposite of honoring them. Mom and dad as one are in a high and exalted status in our lives. God is ordering this. This is not John Ferrett's opinion. This is not some pastor who has this opinion. This is right from God's word. so awesome. And when we realize it, it seems to help us to live and act in such a way that we maintain this view to honor them so as to honor God. But like I said, what if they're truly evil? Today, this is more true than ever. Just imagine, there are parents today who are pushing their children even even to three years old Into sex change surgery. Parents who are abusing the innocent ones. This is beyond horrible. You go to Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 17, and we read. There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and the hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, and a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. These are things that God hates. I remember the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 11, not to associate at all with one who calls themselves a Christian but does evil. It seems to relate to us as well that if we have truly evil parents, and so that's why I say it seems as if we do not honor parents, either a mom, or a dad, or both, if they're truly evil. And that evil is apparent because their evil is described in the Bible. Perhaps they lost their amazing status that God has placed them in. The position of importance. Awesome influence in our lives. So again, come back to Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor our parents. It seems to be a teaching. This is for godly parents, parents in the covenant. They can be given glory to be revered and respected. Just like we give glory to God or kavod to God. But they're sinners like us. They may not be the best parents. They may have made serious mistakes. We may not agree with them or even like them. The Bible doesn't say a command that you have to like your parents. The Bible does not say that you have to love your parents. The Bible says that you have to honor them. This is what God is demanding of us. Now we're not Israel. We're disciples of Yeshua as Christians. And in Christianity, we basically say the Ten Commandments, the Aseret HaDevarib, the Ten Statements of God, Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17, this is fundamental to our religion. It's almost as if this is a litmus test for being a true disciple of Jesus. Could it be? that you can tell someone is a real Christian, you can tell someone is a true disciple by observing how they honor their parents. And so indeed, as a covenant people, as ones that want to live as true disciples of Adonai Yeshua, I remember Jesus saying something on the night before he died. There was no New Testament. All they had was the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, and the fundamental books of the Old Testament were the Torah. And Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And these ten, these ten were the covenant of God with Israel and with us who have been grafted into the olive tree of Israel. So will we truly live this out? So we'll see you in the next lesson. We'll see you in the next lesson as we continue on in studying the Ten Commandments, In Exodus twenty verses one through seventeen. Until then, Shalom Beshem Yeshua Adonenu. I wish you Shalom in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen.